I'll use the, um, give you the illustration or, or an illustration of my message um, to start out with. And um, it has to do, we're going to go to um, this place of uh, to be found by the Lord, doing business, doing what he's left you to do, occupy until, until he comes. And um, that entails um, finding your purpose, finding your thing to do, and doing it. And uh, we were listening to, uh, I believe it was Johnny Enlow that just said this again, that out of a church, if you have 100 people, only 3% are actually going to be like involved in full-time ministry, like doing that. So what, what about the other 97% of a body that's sitting there like, <clears throat> and this was the, <clears throat> sadly, the mentality I grew up with. It was, it was the vision. There were, there were a couple things that you did with your life. You either, um, you, you needed to get saved. You needed to, uh, 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 you know, serve the Lord in some form and get saved, serve the Lord in some uh, manner, either be, you know, in the ministry or be a missionary. Um, you could rededicate your life. There are just a couple things, you know, that, that you would do. And especially in functioning, if there wasn't a sense, like, if you didn't go into the ministry full time, then you really weren't doing it. And it, it was it's it left a bad uh, picture because it's number one it's really not scripture um, and number two it it isolated there were only a few and so there was a conflict in everything that you did and and if you um, if you weren't if you didn't have a position and you weren't on it, we grew up also in the the TV era especially when it came to ministry so when I was young about the time to come into ministry, uh, 700 Club, PTL Club, those things were going on, and uh, the Christian music was really breaking out, and if you didn't, if you didn't have a record, if you, you know, didn't do a recording, if you weren't on TV, if you didn't write a book, it was like that became the, it, I don't, nobody realized it happened, but it was like that became the picture at the end the 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 uh, achievement like this is success in the ministry or doing you know serving the lord is to get to that level <coughs> and um the reality of that is nothing could be further from the church uh, truth because what the lord calls you to do finding that thing and there will only be a small percentage that are actually functioning in what we call ministry but how sad if you don't see your purpose, and your purpose can be in many other areas. As a matter of fact, we need, as, a, as the church, to be in many areas. We need to be in leadership positions. We need to be in governmental positions. We need to be in the education system. We need to be there and, and realize that's your ministry. Because as we can see right now, we desperately need and have needed people with integrity to be in those places. People that had a moral compass. People that were accountable to something higher. And this is one of the things that it's so uh, neat to have Emily and Sanford here with us today. That 
in a time when I got inherited the church, it was not a good situation. So, what to say that? And uh, but I was young and full of whatever, and I can do this, and a little bit of rebellion, and a little bit of a lot of other things, and and um, we went for it, and I I couldn't quit, couldn't leave. Um, and so I went forward, and it wasn't long. I felt the real absence of any leadership, so I began this search of, are you my father, and how can I, you know, I, I, needed, I needed connection. And we had um, found out about a church that was functioning in um, Kent at the time, right? Yeah, community of believers. And um, they were doing special meetings that we, we had found those. And that was kind of those two things, plus Sanford being on the farm, you know, do, servicing the oil wells. Um, we, we made this connection. And we found a group of believers and uh, uh, of leaders that I, I'm like I wanted to connect with or I was looking for this. And, and uh, I, I wanted to connect with one of the leaders or find that relationship. And we actually attempted that. But here's what's funny. The person that had the most value or the couple that had the most value and input in our lives at that time of being so lost and disconnected were, were these two. And officially, Sanford wasn't an elder, wasn't, you know, he was definitely full in with the church and serving the church, but he didn't have one of those official titles, yet he was the one that I could connect with. And he was the one in the little, in the conversations that we would have that would just inspire me to find my way and to stay, stay, stay on. It was really, really important. And it was this couple that invited us to spend time with them and to come to their house and to know their kids. Like, it's what we actually believe in now. It's about family. It's about building relationships. And though, try as we may, those leaders and myself, it just didn't happen. It didn't work. There was a little bit of they came and they went. But what I received was from Sanford and Emily, what Phyllis and I did, and the friendship that we had with them. You can, how often does this happen that you underestimate the power, the, the influence that you have just being you and being at the right place at the right time? And I, I love listening to the stories, Kenny and, and different ones of you where you're, you're just out there in this place and you end up ministering to somebody in a, in a way I couldn't, I'd never get them to open up. I'd never get that access. No matter how good of a pastor I was, I, I'd never get that opportunity. And I, I, I'm, sit with, I'm amazed at the, the doors that open, and you're there at that, per, and there's not somebody better than you. You're like, boy, somebody that knows a lot more than me would be better at this. Someone that's got their life a lot better together. That If you have a genuine, genuine walk with the Lord, a sincere Father, lead me, guide me, and there's a story being written in your life, then you're qualified. And, and in to, to miss that is, uh, is, 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 is a terrible thing. To understand no matter where you are, there needs to be light. We're, we're called to be a city on a hill. We're called to be light in the darkness. We're called to be salt in the earth. And salt was, we, we don't, we've lost the concept of the value of what salt was. But salt was extremely important. Without salt, 
things rotted. Can you see the absence of the salt in our culture? There's a lot of rottenness in it. So we have to find this way to, without being controlling or overbearing or without being like children that are throwing temper tantrums because life's going, not going our way. And we need to, to be in our culture and in our society as, as influencers and as light in the darkness as in, in this position, this place. So this, these two have, have really been that. Like uh, It's hard to uh, express that um, at the level I'd like to, but we were thinking, Phyllis and I were thinking about this, like, wow, we need to honor these two when we reconnected, like, it was, it's really significant. You don't know what you did because now we have this really neat body and uh, of people and, and we've come to not worry about the size. Like, oh, we'd all love to grow. We want to we be an impact, but, but what we have is priceless and how the Lord's built us is priceless. And uh, I've come to go, uh, I, there are other places that look like enticing, like they've got it all together and they're doing this and that. And I, I've kind of relaxed a lot about all that. Like, you know what? We've got family. We have relationships. We have covenant we're walking out. We have genuine, lasting relationships and, and a, an integrity of walking with the Lord and accountability without it being religious, like in the context of love. So it's just so, so significant. So uh, let me pick up. I've been talking about returning for myself especially, to um, look acknowledging the second coming of Christ. Because of the conflict of all of the, the details about the second coming, the tribulation and the millennial reign and who's here and who's not and all of those things, I, I know the teachings and it left me just conflicted and disheartened and we get hung up. I remember deciding several years back, that I would not allow anything about our differences about what we thought about the second coming be divisive in our church. So just made sure we're not going to make that a divisive line. And, and you kind of have to choose at times as you come to certain things. We're not going to let this divide us. We're not going to let this become a separation. We're going to honor one another and our different views in some of these things. Oh, that things that we can do that in and, 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 and go forward, move forward. So um, I, had, I realized I had quit talking and even think about the second coming. It was so like I was like conflicted about it and, and, and not dealing with it. And uh, I went, I was looking at Psalms 24, as you know, and I started there with this series, Psalms 24, and the, uh, this, this, uh, passage we know so well um, open up your gates the, 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 lift up your heads open the gates swing wide the gates and and uh, I believe it, it does apply to the true Israel uh, true Israel and uh, uh, that that the, that the Lord's coming back uh, I also believe it directly applies to us and this lifting up our heads is worship and opening wide the gates this welcoming this posture, this thing in our hearts that it, it draws the Lord, that the Lord of glory may come in. And then you see in uh, Matthew 23, 39, 
interesting uh, passage. You can turn with, there with me, just be there for a moment. Matthew 23, 39, for you will not see me again, Jesus is saying this, until you are able to say, we welcome the one who comes to us in the name of the Lord. So that's significant. Jesus, Jesus said that. Jesus uh, is, is wait, that's like part of the conditions of him coming back, that his people, and, and, especially, and us as well, that there is this heart that we have to be lifting up our head, welcoming him, him back. Until that time, we looked at Acts uh, chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, and, and it just says this um, in summary, that heaven holds him or keeps him until the restoration of all things, until the proper time. Of course, what is the restoration of all things? Like, wow, okay, that's a whole nother place to go to. But that, that he's held there, and then we are in this waiting pattern. So turn with me to Luke 19. And you see that uh, the church is in this place like, uh, like I am, and some of us that are um, just waiting and contending for the true president to get established, set in place. It created this longing, in a, and I went, I, it helped me, that feeling helped me understand in a whole new light the coming of Christ and this, this uh, the early church losing Jesus to a death, burial, resurrection. They had him back, then he disappears in the clouds. Uh-huh. And, and they're like, I thought, we thought we were going to get it going here and, you know, deliver the whole nation and, you know, move forward. And they watch him in the clouds and he, he assures them I'm coming back. The angel's standing there watching them, watch him go to the, like, what are you looking at? And he says, don't you know, he will return the way he went. So very clear, literal thing. So the church from that time on were living in expectation that he would return. In their lifetime, why not? They needed him now. So they were living in that. It's really interesting. Now we can understand it. Now we, we feel that. Like, wow. That's like, and you're watching stuff and watching things, and it makes you even more want him back. You go, come back. So starting in verse 11, I'm going to read for, through the Passion Translation, from the Passion Translation. At this time, Jesus was getting close to entering Jerusalem. The crowds that followed him were convinced that God's kingdom realm would fully manifest when Jesus established it in Jerusalem. So he told them this story <coughs> to help give them some perspective. So they were living in this state of mind. It's coming back soon. He tells this story that, that he would come and establish his, his rule and government and reign. If you're the Messiah, yeah, finally, we've been waiting, waiting, waiting. Here you are. Let's do this. So the story. Once there was a wealthy prince who left his province to travel a distant to a distant land where he would be crowned king and then return. Before he departed, he summoned his ten servants together and said, I'm entrusting each of you with $50,000 to trade with while I am away. Invest it, put the money to work until I return. 
Some of his countrymen despised the prince and sent a delegation after him to declare before the royals, we refuse to let this man rule over us. He will not be our king. So you see a difference here. There are the servants, then there are the citizens. There's two different groups here. The servants, he entrusts them with gifts, with money, with the, and, and for we easily can apply this. He gives us gifts. He gives us abilities. He gives each of us gifts. Gifts to invest. They didn't earn this. They were given it to him. He's going to require it back when he returns. He entrusted this to them. There were those that did not like him, felt he was unfair. Nevertheless, and this is in verse 15, he was crowned king and returned to his land. Then he summoned his ten servants to see how much each one had earned and what their profit came to. The first one came forward and said, Master, I took what you gave me and invested it and multiplied it ten times. Splendid. You've done well, my excellent servant, because you have shown that you can be in be trusted in small in the small matter. I now grant you authority to rule over ten fortress cities. Verse eighteen. The second came and said, Master, what you left with me has multiplied five times. His master said, I also grant you authority in my kingdom over five fortress cities. Verse twenty. Another came before the king and said, Master, here is the money you entrusted to me. I hid it. For safekeeping. You see, I live in fear of you, for everyone knows you are a strict master and impossible to, to please. You push us for a high return on all that you own, and you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. This was the interpretation, the attitude of the citizens in this servant. The other servants didn't have this attitude. But he, he had it. He's like, you're unfair. You're unjust. I don't, I don't trust you. So here, I kept your money. Here, here it is. I hid it. I buried it. But I, I, I didn't function as a servant that trusted you. You told me to occupy till you come. I think the King James uses that, that, uh, that um, phrase. Occupy till you come. The uh, uh, New King James Version says, do business till I come. So that was the instruction when he left. Do business, occupy till I come. Do business till I come. Function and take care of. And um, there's such another thing that helps me understand this. Um, and, and hopefully you can relate in some way in your own life. To be left in charge of something when the one over you, the one running the company, or um, I, I go back to this time when we were on the farm with, work, with my brother and I, uh, working with my, my father on our, on our dairy farm. And there was a lot to take care of. We were milking about 70, 60, 70, 70 cows and taking care of uh, a couple hundred acres. And um, there was just, there was stuff to do. And I remember clearly the feeling, because you don't, you don't get the, experience a feeling until you go through something then you have an experience you have something to relate to and and the sense that uh it wasn't often but my mom and dad went away for a week they were they actually went on a vacation was was rare like wow we don't do that too often you know you work day to night to day to night and you know it's just like you just live for that 
and uh, made plans to go away. And it was a it was a neat feeling to be left alone. And then the whole week, there I remember having this mentality of wanting to take care of things and do things so that when he returned, there was, it started to, it was, it was like, it wasn't like screw around until he comes back. It was like there was stuff to do, but it was because we served him out of a right attitude, there was a sense we wanted to do well. So that when he came back, like, wow, good job. And you even got that done and you got this done. Like, that's, that's awesome. That's great. That, that, was, that was the relationship that we had when, when, we, when we worked for my father and worked with him and for him. And, and that would be a perfect picture of what it's to be for us when we're working for Jesus, that everything, this is why this has to come back into my language, and maybe yours too if it's been absent, that we live in a way and we serve in a way. This, it purifies us to do all that we do because he's coming back. He's returning. The, his, his return is imminent. It is coming. Still waiting, but he is coming. However that works out, we can just, if you, without being sacrilegious, just set aside, just kind of push him over here because everything the scripture says is true. Not everything the scripture says do I understand or cannot, or can put it all together, but it is all true. His promises are true. They're going to happen. But what matters is that I have a right position and attitude, which is this. And then I nurture that in my life, this lifting up my head, opening wide to get like, it's not just a city that needs to do that. It's every one of us that needs to do that with him, that there's this openness, this, this our open, open gates are, are lifting our heads to worship. And, and, it, and it treats him. It's part of, he's waiting for, for Israel to do that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like this looking forward, we're not living in, a, in an absence or a vacuum of Jesus ever coming back. That he promised he would come. The delay can be agonizing, especially if you're in deep in persecution. How many of you that have been Christians for any long length of time have said, Jesus, it'd be a nice time for you to come back right now. I wouldn't have to go to court. I wouldn't have to do this. I wouldn't have to do that. I would, you know, like, Calgon, take me away in the old commercial, you know. Take me out of this. And again, that was the old way of thinking about the second coming, like we're going to get out of here. That's why Psalms 24 is so important. First phrase that gets used a lot of places in the scriptures. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of thereof. That's where you start. The land, it's his earth. It's his. It's not theirs. It's his and it's ours if we serve him and love him. Every promise is true. Every, every word is true. There's a time when there'll be new heavens and new earth. Whatever that looks like. All of those things, but... All I need to do is be in the right position. If I'm in the right position and attitude with the Lord, it doesn't matter whether I have that figured out or not. But this I do need to have figured out, that I live my life right now in this awareness that he's coming back, 
that is returning, he's bringing rewards with him. If I please him, I'll get to rule and reign with him. There is an incentive. And so when you're doing the hard things and going through the hard things, and it's challenging to not just let go and be very fleshly about something, that you come back to this, Lord, I want to, but I want to please you. And this is about pleasing you. And today, if I go through this day and please you in the way that I act and, and walk and function, you're watching. You see it all. Nothing goes unnoticed. It's not about pleasing people or being in the fear of people. It's about there. you carry, I believe you so much. I'm a servant, not a citizen. I'm a servant that trusts you and knows that you will bring a reward with you. And he proves it by coming back and says, oh, you did well. Let me give you more. That's like the opposite of socialism, isn't it? We're like, oh, I mean, we're so, in, it's ingrained in us more than what we realize. Like we'd be like, oh no, share the wealth, give to the, you know, and giving to the poor is a great concept. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going after, I'm not disagreeing with that. But the concept of giving more to the person that's done well is like, um, especially us with a, grew up in a poverty mentality. We have some issues. We need to adjust them to kingdom principles. And Jesus says, to him who do well with what I get, I'm going to give you more because you have to earn the increase as far as proving yourself to be responsible, proving yourself to be faithful with it. Let me see if I can find where I stopped. You've done well. It comes to this last servant. Did we get to the last servant? In verse 20, 21, do you see I live in fear of you? Yes, bad attitude. Verse 22, the king said, you wicked servant, I will judge you using your own words. If what you said about me is true, that I am a harsh man pushing you for a high return and wanting gain from others' efforts, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank to earn some interest on what I entrusted you? The king said to his other servants, take the money he has and give it to the faithful servant who multiplied uh, my money 10 times over. Now that, does that not scream of injustice? We're like, oh, no, it's not, that's not fair, right? That's not fair. Fair. Verse 25, but master, the other servants objected. Why give it to him? He already has so much. There it is. Yes, replied the king. But to all who have been faithful, even more will be given to them. And for the ones who have nothing, even the little they seem to have will be taken from them. Now, bring all those rebellious enemies of mine who rejected me as their king. Bring them here before me. And execute them. Strong words from Jesus. There's a price to pay, and we cannot remove this from God is good. He is very good. But we have this has to stay in place. Those that reject him, they're in trouble. 
those who have developed this bad attitude and this wrong thing about who Jesus is, who God is. And that begins when the delay, the longer it goes, the more we come up with things. Have you noticed that? The longer someone, you know, the longer that they're not here, they're, they're, they haven't arrived when you're, you're expecting you're expecting them to come in a certain... The longer, the more your mind starts... Where's my husband? Where's my wife? At first, it's like, they must have got delayed. Then it's like, where are they? Then you're like, all right, where, are, where were you? You know, It turns into a, like accusation. With enough time and enough little tormenting thoughts in your mind, or you're thinking the worst. They're dead. They're, in, they're over a hill someplace. Delay could cause your mind to go active your imaginations to go wild and and it's one of the difficult things to manage is trusting and waiting on the lord to do everything he said he would do all of his promises are true whether you have them figured out or not i have found it as i've been walking this out meditating on this it's caused me to, to just come back to this really simple, purifying motive that I'll do things because I'll do what I do with joy and with faith because I know he's watching. He's going to come back in the, and, and I, when he comes, I want to be found by him. If I die before he comes, I want my story to be I was faithful with what he gave me. He brings reward with him. Look at Matthew 24, 45 through 47. Matthew 24, 45 through 47. Who is the one qualified to oversee the master's house? He will be a reliable servant who is wise and faithful, one he can depend on. The master will want to give him the responsibility of overseeing others in his house, for his servant will lead them well and give them food at the right time. What joy and blessing will come to that faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence? I can promise you the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all that he owns. To be found by him, to be found by him serving with excellence. So nothing in your life has to change except for your attitude, your motive, and your like that you are that you be found, how you manage today, how you manage Monday, how you go through the day. Are you living that day in a way that you're pleasing the Lord? It has no, it has no, it makes no difference whether you go to a job tomorrow or whether you go to a pulpit tomorrow or whether you do a wedding or whether you do a funeral or whether you clean someone's septic tank. Like, it doesn't matter what you do just so that what you do pleases the Lord and you do it with that spirit, that attitude, and with faith. It changes the mundane to an exciting life. And if you want increase, and it's, it's fine that you should. If you want promotion, 
Have you not heard the complaints and the whining? Like, they overlook me. I, didn't, I, never, get, I never go anywhere in this job, in this situation. Just take a second. Look at yourself. How are you acting? What's your, what's your mode of, of operate? What's your attitude? It, it, it shows up big. But those that serve with a pure heart in whatever they're doing, do all that they do as unto the Lord. Wow, what a difference. Because when God wants to promote you, you you'll, be, you'll move. You'll, it'll come faster than you want it to. It has more to do with your state of mind and what's, what's in your heart. And that you're doing it as unto the Lord. It, it purifies everything. You can endure all kinds of troubles and problems if you get this in line so that you're doing it for him. All of a sudden, you can't be used by people. You can't be abused by the system. Because you found this way of, of doing it as unto the Lord. And knowing, knowing and having courage and bravery to follow him. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. I entreat you to, it's, it's easy to, and again, I don't actually even preach about this anymore. So I know there's an absence of it here in our house. Of talking and thinking about the return of Christ, like this imminent return and what it really means, regardless of timing, regardless of how long we've waited. It needs to be a part of how we function. And look, look here in this promise in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. John, I think that's wrong. <laughs> Should be First John three. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He has lavished on us. He has called us and made us His very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are in that they didn't recognize him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. Just repeat this in your mind. It's okay if you don't understand everything. What is it about us that we have to figure everything out? And the Lord's like, mm -mm -mm, I'm holding that. Still a mystery for you. We we do not like that. We're like in a race. Get a book to help us figure this out. Do do something. Rationalize it away. What I think. Add your opinions. Oh Lord, our opinions. That's a whole nother subject, isn't it? How easy. How quickly we interject and don't even realize what what we've done. Do you like necessarily opinionated people? Just. No, not really. When that's the predominant attitude, they're opinionated. I mean, it's, it's fine to have your thoughts. and your, But this, this thing, so we don't want to be that. 
want to be people that are that are able to it's it's funny how easy it is to just allow for mystery to be in the things that we believe when you just go you know what i'm just me i'm just human i'm a son he's the father there are things I get, there are things I don't. There are things I'll get later, there are things I don't. We talked as I began this series that we would sing songs and we had no clue what we were singing about. But we're singing them with all of our hearts and worship. And Phyllis said to me right here, like, I was like, oh, that's true, you know. We get revelation. Sometimes we sing things we don't fully understand. Revelation comes. It comes, a lot of revelation comes in worship and in praise. It's such a unique thing we do. When we praise, when we worship, when we interact with the Lord, it's so, so powerful. We may have no idea how powerful until we get to the other side and look back and see what happened when we worshiped, what happened when we praised, what happened when we gave thanks, what happened when we developed a grateful heart. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. But we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. So at that moment that he returns, if we are made just like him, it doesn't really matter what I believe about this coming first, that coming first, up, down, staying, leaving. Just so I'm with him, just so I'm acceptable, and it's just so that I'm in a posture and a position in my heart to be received by him, then it doesn't matter what happens. When this moment comes, he's, Jesus is in charge. And he'll come and look at what I've done, and I'll either get more responsibility or I'll get what I, what I had taken away from me if I hit it. All who focus their hope on him will always be purifying themselves just as Jesus is pure. So there's a promise here that this purifies you. And I've found even lately as I return to thinking about this, there's a purifying effect. It just calms you down. Like all that matters today is that I please him. Well, that takes a lot of stress out of the day, huh? All that matters is that he smiles at how I act and what I think and what I do and what I accomplish. Like he's pleased. If you're not living that life, like stop immediately. Repent. Slap yourself. I don't know, but don't. It's such a risky waste of time. Like, it is doable to get lined up with a, in a way you cannot, you don't have to change things that you can't change. But right now, he will make new what, what's gone bad. He'll restore. He'll give you more chances. He'll give you, he'll give you a refresh. It's all about repentance and coming to this place of, of looking to him and trusting him. And being found by him, doing, occupying, doing what you're left to do, finding that thing, finding that place. If you find that, you'll feel, it, you'll feel his pleasure in it. 
And it may not be what anybody else thinks you should do that's very spiritual. But when you find these things that you find his pleasure in, you should do them with all of your heart. Do them well. Because when you do that and you find that place, you will bless people. You'll bring life and not light and not darkness. You'll be the salt. It doesn't matter what position you are at work. It doesn't matter what, what, what role you have in church. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what other people think about you. If you find this, there will be an attractiveness about you. And most of all, you'll be at peace. Wouldn't that be nice for a change? As Christians, we are so we are just wrapped too tight. We are we are so concerned about things that don't matter. That can creep in. It's always wanting to creep in. It's always wanting to be there. Having opinions about things that don't matter. Criticizing things and people that don't matter. It doesn't matter to you. It has nothing to do. You, you serve me. Some of the disciples said to Jesus, hey, what about that one? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus, instead of comforting him, said, well, here's what's going to happen with him. He goes, it's none of your business. Oh, <laughs> that's offensive. I care about him. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't being bad. I, I just wanted to know. I was worried about him. It's none of your business. <sighs> this Jesus guy, he was a little challenging to follow sometimes. Have you found what you feel pleasure in from the Lord to do with your life? If you only raised three children, but you did it, you instilled faith, you instilled obedience, you instilled um, uh, discipline, then wow, you, 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 you raised up a seed that becomes a plant that affects, you, you shot an arrow that goes out and hits a target. Those are the real success stories. Wait till we get to heaven. You'll be so convinced you failed. Like, Lord, I believe that, and it didn't happen. He's like, well done. No, you didn't hear me. It didn't happen. The healing didn't happen. This, the, the thing didn't happen. It's like, well done. But Lord, they died. Well done. You believed. You trusted me. It's, it's in my hands. The outcome is, was mine. It wasn't yours. And you don't know the rest of the story. You don't know it all. Just obey me. Serve me. How many of you are going to get a well done just because you endured something that was really, really hard? Like, wow, Lord, oh, my life was like a waste. Like, oh, well done. You stayed in your place. You don't know what you cause, but it's staying in that place staying in that position. Do you know what happens when we leave our places that we're supposed to be in? Evil comes in. Bad stuff comes in. Sometimes I've encouraged myself, Lord, I got to just stay in this position just so the, uh, the wrong person doesn't come in. Like, I, I'm probably pathetic, but at least I know my heart. I know my heart is, is pure that I want to serve you and bless you and watch over these people rather than, and I'm lacking in this area that I, it's like, just, you know, just stay. Just stay. Just stay in place. Just stay in place. And that, that's what matters. 
You need to stay here for your children, even if they're adults. You need to stay in this place for your friends, for family. We, it all matters. We're connected. It matters how we do. You're not just living by yourself. It matters that you finish well. It's matter, it matters that you remain faithful. It matters that you get your eyes on the one that's coming with rewards. And yes, it's great to, to, to expect rewards. He's Father Christmas. Of course he's going to bring, 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 bing, 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 bing. He's going to bring gifts with him. Because that's just who he is. He gives, he blesses, wants to take care of us. He'll make it right. He'll make it. He'll come with so much glory, you'll forget the hardship. Now, that's a lot of glory for some of you. You'll forget what you endured. Like, oh, wow, I, I forget that because, wow, this is overwhelming. That's what he has for us. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, just thank you for your word. Enable us, Father, in our weakness to trust you, to put you first, to understand you're the beginning and the end. Some days when we just stand and say, I believe all of your promises. I declare every word is faithful and true. You tell the truth and let every man be a liar. You're the one that, that's, that is faithful and true. It's okay if there's mystery, even in my life. I accept the mystery. I accept trusting you when I can't see it, when I can't understand, when I can't get the, all the pieces together. I just want to be faithful with what you've said. Even if I look like a fool sometimes, I want to obey you when you lead me to believe. I want to obey you when you lead me to stand. I want to obey you when you lead me to declare something, to proclaim something. I want to obey you when you ask me to be like your son. Just thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. You can just turn that up a little bit, Ash. I'm going to wait on you. Powerful song. Yes, Lord Jesus. I'm trusting your promise.